Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, curiosity didn't kill the cat. Curiosity, according to Merriam-Webster, is an eager desire to learn, and it's often to learn what does not concern us, which is how we get to the proverb, curiosity killed the cat, which warns of the dangers of unnecessary investigation or experimentation, which, let's face it, is the foundation for the tension in so many of my favorite novels, movies, and TV shows. And personally, I don't believe it's possible to be too curious. But although the exact origin is not known, the earliest known usage of the phrase curiosity killed the cat was in the 1598 play Ever Many in His Humor by Ben Jonson, and then showed up in Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing not long after. So here to discuss and refute, I believe, is Alice Ford, a true multi-hyphenate. Alice is a seven-time Telly Award-winning host and adventure filmmaker and stuntwoman who documents all of her adrenaline junkie exploits in her award-winning series, Alice's Adventures on Earth. As a stuntwoman, Alice has worked on some of the biggest blockbuster movies of the past decade, including Spider-Man No Way Home, Transformers 4 and 5, Star Trek Into Darkness, Red Notice, and Tenet. Alice is deeply passionate about sustainable travel and is also an expert on the U.S. national park system and solo travel, and especially solo travel for women. Welcome to the podcast, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So why did you choose the phrase, curiosity didn't kill the cat? I'm an explorer. And if I didn't have a curiosity, frankly, I wouldn't explore anything. I wouldn't meet new cultures. I wouldn't try new foods. So curiosity is so important. And I just remember from my childhood, so often being told, well, you know, curiosity killed the cat. So, you know, don't stick your nose into this or don't try this or don't try that. And Yes, I think that there should be some apprehensive with certain things, but I think curiosity is the driving force in figuring out not only what makes you happy and what sparks joy in your life, but especially for me as an adventurer and an explorer and someone who pushes the boundary in not only what I do for work, but what I do for play, curiosity is that driving force behind so much of that. And it's what drives me to investigate what differences we all have with each other and whether or not there's going to be something new in my life that I love. I also wouldn't learn new things if I didn't have curiosity. I don't really think curiosity killed the cat. I think curiosity made the cat smarter. It made it more of an (laughs) adventure. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And curiosity leads to innovation and advances in life and culture. So many of the cool things that I'm looking around my office right now exist because somebody was curious enough to go, well, what if? What if we could make a better one? What if we could innovate this? What if What if it didn't have to be that way? So I totally agree with you. But now I wanna go back to something you just said was so powerful in the beginning was you got this message as a kid. Don't be so curious. 
So I want to ask you, you know, when did you become aware that you were really curious, especially compared to other people, maybe, whether, you know, other kids around you or the adults? And what was going on that led somebody to kind of issue warnings? Yeah, absolutely. So I was really fortunate as a child. I grew up in a really beautiful place in the woods of New Hampshire. And we had a lot of acres of forest on our property, a river, a pond, and a lot of wildlife. And so I grew up with parents that were very fundamentally curious individuals. My dad was an explorer, a mountaineer, and my mom was an artist. So I think curiosity was just something that was embedded in my upbringing. And my sister and I didn't go to playgrounds. We would just go off in the woods and we would use our imagination and we would get curious about what's under this rock or what is this weird clay like or dirt or what happens if you do this to these sticks and how do we build this? So everything was curiosity in learning how to do things. And the first person I think that told me curiosity killed the cat was probably a teacher. I think as a child, I was maybe a little bit more difficult <laughs> as a student because I was opinionated. I was sassy. I also, because I had parents that were very free and maybe hands off, I felt like I knew how to do a lot of things and that sometimes the education system was holding me back and trying to keep me in a box. And as you said in my intro, I'm multi-hyphenated. I like and am good at many things. And it was really hard to be put in a box in school. And I think maybe that was a way of teachers trying to say, hey, you need to just simmer down a bit. <laughs> well, let's say amen to be the sassy curiosity girl. <laughs> like I was maybe the suburban dwelling version of you where I'll admit it, I was nosy. <laughs> a little bit of a, you know, my curiosity could get into busybody territory, but why not? And then I want to think about like how you turned this into a career. So we'll, we'll get to that because just as you were talking, I was thinking about that. It's like, wow, I never thought about the fact that I did too, because I coach a lot around and in, in trying to help people tap into their curiosity, because I think that it is one of the attributes, certainly in hosting, that I think makes for some of the most successful people. You need to be curious to be a great interviewer. And I realized, so as a casting director, interviewing people through the casting process, having a podcast, this is all because I'm curious about other people and you find platforms and ways to do it. So go back a little bit though. How did you kind of push back on this? I guess that's hard to answer. I think I just, you know, because my parents were these explorer, curiosity, artistic people, I, even though in school maybe got some pushback because everything else in my life was feeding into me being allowed to be curious, I was able to swallow that stuff in school and still grow my curiosity outside of school. For me, school was great, but it wasn't my whole life. I had a fantastic childhood with the woods <laughs> and just being able to be out in nature that really fostered my sense of curiosity. And I also think that through athletics, I was able to 
foster that curiosity as well. And maybe that's hard for people to connect, but I also think that as an athlete, being curious in your own self worth and in your own like self-discovery of what you can accomplish, Mm. I think is a really big thing that maybe we don't think about our own success or our own ability to try new things as curiosity. But at the depth of it, I really think that that is curiosity because I was a gymnast. I was a track and field athlete. I was also did a bunch of other sports in high school, but a lot of that was just my wondering if I would be able to do that well, my curiosity in, oh, could I accomplish that? Well, let me try it and find out if I can, if I can do that. And that was that internal curiosity, even in my own discovery of, you know, my own strengths. Alice, that's a beautiful reframing because it's also like a judgment-free zone. You're like, I'm curious that if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. So skipping ahead, you are an expert on solo travel and especially solo travel for women. So now I'm thinking about um, where curiosity intersects with, I don't know if the words boundaries or, um, you know, reasonable limits just around the notion of safety and how we balance, because I think, you know, this is where some of this is coming. And I'm sure your parents instilled this with you. It's like, go out and play with the forest. Um, but here's some things you don't do in the forest, or if you see or hear this thing, this is what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you said it at the beginning of, of this podcast is curiosity leads us to, to learn and it helps us with mastering skills and I think that there is a level of knowledge that comes with maybe safely being curious. Um, there's definitely times where I've probably said it to someone as well. Oh, well, curiosity killed the cat. Like, don't do that because it's stupid. <laughs> can you give an example um, where you can remember that or think? I think most of the time that would have to deal with I mean, I've definitely seen that like in the outdoor community where maybe a trail is closed or something is off limits because it's dangerous. And while we all want to kind of see beyond the curtain or see beyond the the close signed, if you have the knowledge of knowing why something is closed, then you have that you should have that instinct to know, okay, well, curiosity in this case is going to kill the cat. <laughs> it's respecting the boundary. It's also respecting, it's respecting that, the boundaries. that that smart people, whoever they are that, you know, work in that, that park or that place who made that decision knew what they were doing. Absolutely. I wanted to know if you could think of a, a you know, a time or two in your own life where your curiosity did get you a little bit in trouble. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, definitely in sports. I think my curiosity has gotten the better of me many times with How so? trying, trying a new skill or trying to like, especially as a stunt woman, there's things where I might think, uh, oh, I've got, I can definitely accomplish that. And maybe I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't quite ready for that. Um, 
and and I guess that's the intersection of confidence and curiosity, but um, also in the outdoors. I mean, there's been times where I've maybe gotten a little bit too close to a wild animal, <laughs> or and what happened? <laughs> I mean, you're here. Well, to I'm still tell the tale, but what did happen? <laughs> um. Recently, I was on Catalina Island, and there are bison on the island. Um, curiosity made me want to go a little bit farther to the bison, and it got up and started walking towards me. So that's <laughs> a lesson learned in that um, What respect. do you do when a bison gets curious about you? <laughs> um, get really small and pretend you're a rabbit. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, because bison are unlike bears where like a bear you want to kind of like get big and look like you're a bigger animal with bison you kind of want to get small and look not aggressive and not like you are a bigger creature than it so it's better to just like back off and kind of like shrink down (laughs) um and luckily it was fine (laughs) Okay, I'm so into the word picture of this and the visualization because you decided to be a rabbit. So um, as opposed to an other small creature. So I was just like, did you hop? Did you do anything (laughs) rabbit-like? Stuck my hands up, like made bunny ears. (laughs) You did? (laughs) No. This is so good. Got down and crouched and waited for the bison to calm down a little and go about eating his grass. And then I just kind of moved back and gave him some space. Recapping one second, this is interesting making these connections. So you talked about, you know, the curiosity confidence thing, which is important, but sometimes we could take it too far. And then when I think about in the wilderness and reading certain stories about people, I think that there's sometimes curiosity and arrogance intersect. Can you speak to any situations you have observed about this? I have observed a lot of, yes, intersections of curiosity and and ego or arrogance, whatever you would like to talk about. And I actually, funnily that you brought that up because I am writing an article about this right now uh, for an outdoor. Um, But yeah, I think, I think this is one of the biggest issues that I see, especially in national parks, especially in the hiking and backpacking community is just this mentality where maybe you believe you have enough experience to not abide by rules or boundaries that have been set by officials or landowners. And I think that this is where curiosity and ego meet and extend too far. So just too many people that believe that the rules don't apply to them because maybe they have a lot of experience or, oh, I've hiked this trail all the time. I know what's over there. or I know it's not dangerous, but the problem is they don't know or they think that they know. And these types of people are putting not only everyone else's potentially lives in danger, but they're also ruining the experience for everyone else because their action of stepping over those boundaries can at the end of the day, either make that entire area closed off. It could lead to rescuers having to come in and rescue that person if and when 
something bad does happen. So it has really bad consequences when you let your ego or your arrogance kind of push your curiosity past its boundary. Okay, duly noted. So in the camera ready and able universe, I want to ask you now about how you figured out how to turn your curiosity into a viable business. Well, I think I've had a long time of figuring out what I'm really passionate about. And for me, that's always been travel. It's always been learning from other people, culture, and sharing those experiences with others, sharing my curiosities with people. And so that was really the fundamental backbone of why I created my adventure series was because I didn't see enough people out in the outdoors, out traveling that had that curiosity. I think it's really easy to lose that curiosity after childhood because we just we follow in the footsteps of everybody else or we just we do the same things everybody else is doing. We go to a city and we do the the 10 best attractions and the 10 best tours and and that's it. And we we don't necessarily have that curiosity to say, oh, well, hey, is there like someone super local, someone super cultural here that has the most unique dish or something that's that's not what's on every other person's travel list for that particular place. And I wanted to share that curiosity that I have about travel and adventure and the outdoors with everyone that I could, because curiosity isn't something that we should lose. It's something that we should continue to feed. It's something that helps us learn and grow as people until, you know, the day we're no longer here. So that's what led me to make the business that I did. And it's, it's always ever present in everything that I create. So I think it's something that everyone needs in their business, uh, regardless of whether or not you're making an adventure series like me or, you know, anything else that you're, that you're doing. Well, now I'm curious, like, did you ever have, you know, an office job? Did you ever sit behind a desk? Because every, I mean, honestly, I say this all the time. I'd be sitting at my villa in Tangier right now. If I had, you know, a dollar or 10 for every single person I've encountered who said, I want to host a travel show. Uh, you said, I want to host a travel show. You host a travel show and it wins awards and it's an actual viable business. And, um, and you've carved a very unique and wonderful niche for yourself. So I'm, I'm really curious. Did you wake up and go like, I can't, you know, work with widgets anymore? Or were you, you know, for, like from day one, like, I'm going to go do this. So in college, I was my first, I guess, corporate job. I did have one <laughs> was working for Biden. <laughs> For who? Sorry, uh, I couldn't hear you. For vitamin water. Ooh. So they were my first job in college. And then I got a job with them after college, working as an area sales manager. And it wasn't a normal corporate job because it was a mixture of working from home and also just being on the road all day. So I literally just drove around all day from store to store and talked to different store owners, different potential 
<clears throat> to potential um, businesses that might want to buy vitamin water. And then I would stop in at our district office and talk to all of our sales reps. So it was very much not the typical like corporate office job. I had a lot of freedom and I really felt like I maybe was even feeding that curiosity in that because I was just out moving and shaking and talking to people and learning about people's lives and learning about this, that, and the other. So it was really fun, but obviously not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. After that, I went into tourism. I worked at a hotel. I actually owned a restaurant um, and bar with an ex-boyfriend <laughs> from many years ago, but kind of done a lot of different things, but never really a corporate job. So I've been really fortunate in that and when I got into working as a stunt woman, it gave me the ability to travel around the world. Wait, 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 back up, back up, back up. <laughs> You're like skipping ahead. Well, first of all, I can imagine you were really good in the vitamin water job only because your curiosity led you to connect with all these people that you were selling to. So love that. But um, I'm sorry, how did we go from like restaurant, bar, hospitality to like, oh, I think I'll be a stunt woman and not just be a stunt woman, but then be like, a successful stunt woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you, you do know, that? I, I have always just been very open to new opportunities. And I think that's really led me to a lot of interesting things in my life. Where are you saying I stunt have, woman found you? Kind of. Yes. Really? So I've always been an athlete. As I said, I, in high school and college, I did three different sports. So I've had a really athletic background and I'll try to keep this story short. Cause it is kind of a long story about how I got into stunts, but we got all day, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess TV hosting and stunt women kind of went hand in hand because TV hosting got me into the entertainment business and a lot of jobs, a lot of different tourism, et cetera. I went from Arizona to Georgia. Then I lived in the Bahamas. I eventually made my way to New Orleans. And when I was living there, I started working as an extra and on different commercials as an actress. And I ended up meeting a bunch of people in the stunt industry and also some other people in the movie industry. And they all said, oh my gosh, you would make a great stunt woman. And I, at the time was like, why would you, why did they say that? I'm just curious because what so are the what are what is what does somebody see in another person to say you would make a great trust me no one's ever said that to me. <laughs> so at the time I was actually training to try to make the 2012 Olympics in pole vaulting, and <laughs> Alice, it's just like we're peeling every layer of this onion is just wondrous. Okay, keep going. <laughs> And most people that lived in New Orleans and knew me knew that because I trained every day with. I had a coach in New Orleans and also one uh, closer to Baton Rouge. And that was very much part of my life. I was um, kind of in the local media for that as well. So most people that came in in touch with me knew that. So that was kind of the thing that led people to say, you'd make a great stunt woman. Because um, they also knew that I would, had a gymnastics background as well. So I didn't and really know much about- a degree of fearlessness. I mean, what does it take to the first time- I'd be terrified. I mean, I just would land on my back. I can't even fathom, like, you know, I have a tremendous amount of awe and respect for pole vaulters. <laughs> yeah. So I had this background of being able to jump off things and 
flip around. So it made me a really good candidate to be a stunt woman. And I didn't immediately get into that career. I actually kind of roundabout was like, okay, that sounds interesting. Maybe I can learn a little bit more about it, start learning martial arts and getting my foot in the door in that way. And I actually was working in Europe that summer um, at an art show called La Biennale. I was working, it's a huge modern art festival. They have a podium from every country. America that year had this display that was an homage to freedom. They have an overturned tank with a treadmill on top and they were hiring professional runners to run on the treadmill all day on this art exhibit. I was hired to be one of those people. So I was in Italy for about a month. One of the other people in this exhibit was a male gymnast who was an ex-Olympian and happened to be on a television show in LA called Make It or Break It, which was a gymnastic show. So we were sharing a house because all the performers were sharing a house. And I was, I told him, oh my gosh, I've really been wanting to get into stunts. And I have a background in gymnastics and can still tumble and do all these flips and things. And he told me, well, great. If the season comes back around and we do another season, I'd be happy to share your information. And then it's up to you to send in a tape and things like that. And a couple months later, I got a call from him. He said, hey, make it or break it is looking for gymnasts to come and work on the next season. You should send in a tape. I did. And that was my first job as a stunt woman. Okay, I love this. this is an incredible story. And now what I'm connecting the dots is 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 the correlation or how curiosity is is a component of creating opportunity because it's it you're so curious and it leads you to constantly say yes and your curiosity leads you to ask questions. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, so then this is okay, so then you get into amazing, um, doing stunts and you're, um, on a TV show. How did then you decide, I think I want to create my own travel show. So I had already at this time written a synopsis for a travel show and my best friend and I were going to do it together. It was about exploring world heritage sites all over the world. We wanted to start at this one called Fernando de Naranja, which is in Brazil. And it's one of the largest marine sanctuaries in the world, incredible amount of wildlife. But so I had written this one page synopsis, I think maybe the year prior. This is the travel show I want to do. And then I was like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so I just had it on my computer. And as I met more people in the industry, I said, I really want to make a travel show. Like I have this synopsis. What do I do now? And, you know, you, this is what brought me to YouTube eventually, but I ended up meeting someone that said, if you want to do this, you just need to start creating it. You should just go and do it. So one year I was working on Transformers 4, which took us all over the world. We shot in China and Hong Kong and all over America so it was this great opportunity to be able to travel when the movie was over. And when that movie ended, I went to Cambodia, to Indonesia, to Australia, and shot a pilot. So that was kind of like the first, the first, I guess, shoe in the door of creating what I now have. 
and figuring out how to get started, I guess. And back then that was gosh, 10 years ago now. So not only was I not super great on camera because I didn't have the confidence and the experience that I have now, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So it was a great experiment and it sent it out to a couple networks. We had a couple that were interested in, but 10 years ago, the thought process, I guess, with networks was not for women. <laughs> so, but it was a great learning curve. And that led me to really put my feet in with YouTube and start doing it consistently and really growing a following and figuring out show ideas and things like that. So if I hadn't ever done that, I don't know where I would be today, but you know, dreams only become reality when we actually are curious enough to start implementing and making them happen. Mm. And again, I'm learning as, as we're having this conversation, the connection that your curiosity propels you forward because you ask questions that get you out of the presumption zone. Like, you'll be like, what's the best way to do this? I have a feeling you're, I'm curious, like, what don't I know? You're always asking questions that many of us don't think to ask because we're not tapping into our innate curiosity. Wow. Okay. Curious now. What are some of your tips for the curious traveler? Because we touched on that a minute ago. Yeah. Some of my tips for the curious traveler would be to look for cultural experiences and also ask questions when you travel. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think one what of kind of questions things, should we ask? Uh, whatever questions, whatever questions you're curious about, honestly, you know, if you're eating something new and you want to know how it's made, don't be afraid to ask the waiter or ask the chef or see if there's a cooking tour or see if there's a local family that would like to invite you in and teach you how to make it. There are all these experiences I think that most people aren't aware of because we're maybe afraid to ask the question or we're afraid to look a little bit deeper when we travel. I think the most amazing travel experiences that I've had have always been either homestays or they've been, you know, unique, unique community driven things where you're learning how to make something that is unique to that destination, whether that's food, whether that's uh, a tapestry or a basket weaving or a local handicraft that's made in that region. So just don't be afraid to be curious, I think would be my best word of advice. And off the beaten path, smaller destinations are great as well. We don't always have to go to the big cities. So don't be afraid to travel to lesser known places either. I think people are always surprised when people are nice in other places around the world. I think we have maybe this false belief. Maybe it's just as Americans, I'm not sure, but that people are going to be rude and they're going to be closed off when we travel. And I think that one of the biggest things that I've always been able to take away from traveling is that people love to share their lives with you. They love to share their tips and they love to share the things that they love with you. 
And even if you don't speak the same language or come from the same place, that's one of the most powerful things about travel is just getting to see a place through a local's eyes or a local's perspective. Okay, can now I have a bonus round that I want to go back yeah. to Stunt Woman was um because I'm so curious is you know how much of what you do now is sometimes like in front of CGI, you know like I don't know on a trapeze or how often are you like dangling off of buildings somewhere or like like speeding trains? Absolutely. So, it I would say it's it's a bit of a mix. It's very dependent on the budget of the movie. Like I've done several Marvel, Disney movies. A lot of those are on blue screens, but that doesn't mean that we're not still dangling from, you know, a 40 foot ceiling or a crane. It just means that there have a big screen behind it. And instead of it looking like a back lot behind us dangling off of a big gray dollar crane, it looks like New York City. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a mix. You know, they just finished filming Fall Guy in Australia. On that movie, they actually shot, I think, the highest high fall ever in a movie at over 100 feet. So that was a big airbag. So they are still doing a lot of stuff practically. And uh, the bigger budget movies are able to do that a bit more than lower budget movies. But, you know, two weeks ago, I was jumping out of a car driving 20 miles an hour onto a dirt road. <laughs> And that was done practically as well. So we do have a lot of CG, but a lot of it is enhancing the people that are doing the stunts and the skills and or maybe giving a different background than the one that exists on a back lot. What's your mental prep for that? <sighs> My mental prep for that is to visualize. And this was a skill that I learned at an early age, I guess, doing gymnastics but is to just visualize how exactly I want to do whatever it is I'm doing. And I'll use the jumping out of the car as an example, because <clears throat> I knew for that, that I wanted to jump out. I wanted to tap my feet and I wanted to roll sideways on my shoulder. So I just over and over in my head visualized doing that and it was really nerve wracking, obviously, as our car started speeding down the road and we were going to have to jump out. But I just try to remain calm, deep, deep breaths as I'm going and focusing on that mental visualization as well as I'm going. And if ever I have these moments where like a bad visualization gets in my head, I just try to like take that visualization throw it out of my head and replace it with a good one so that I'm mentally prepared for doing the trick. I'm now going to imagine myself. Sometimes I'm going to be bigger than a bear and other times I'm going to be smaller than a bison. <laughs> I have loved this conversation so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything I didn't ask that you would love to share? Sure. I, I'd also love to share that, you know, if you're struggling to be confident in whatever that you're doing, start asking yourself more questions, start being more curious about your own strengths, your own weaknesses, and building your confidence through your curiosity too. And I'll end it with that little, little sentence. And where can people find you? 
People can find me on YouTube at Alice Sport Adventures. I have a blog, which is called Alice's Adventures on Earth.com. There are links to my Instagram and all my other social channels on there as well. Oh, thank you. So I feel very nourished and enriched from this conversation. <laughs> so thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of Camera Ready and Able. If you're looking to grow more confident on camera, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com, and be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Thank you.